We are in uh, week three of asking for a friend. Me answering questions that you've asked me over Easter and the weeks afterwards. You can still write your questions down on the back of your Connect card in the prayer section. But one of the areas where you ask, I got a lot of questions, was the area of prayer. A lot of people asking, why don't my prayers get answered? Or is there a certain way to ask prayers? Or is there a certain way to pray? Or, uh, or how do I grow closer to God? And so I just decided to take one week and talk about prayer. And uh, let me just start by asking you to raise your hand if you would say, I've pr- if you've ever prayed a prayer that God didn't answer, raise your hand. That's just about all of us, right? And, and if you ever wondered like why, would you like to know why he didn't answer that prayer? Would you like to know if you said it wrong or if you did something wrong or if there's a special formula that you just don't know about? Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, I know it can be very frustrating because sometimes you're asking for things that, you know, the Bible seems to say should be yours. It seems to be, you know, the right kind of thing. And, and it would seem like God would want to answer your prayer. And, and I won't be able to answer every question about that today, but I have some good news for you. The Bible really speaks to this, and it really speaks to uh, how you get in alignment with God's will and his word. And today I want to take you through a man's story. This is going to be good for you. I'm going to show you five things I learned from the life of Daniel, one of the most godly, powerful prophets of the Old Testament. So if you're in your Bible, Daniel chapter 9, we're just going to read several verses from Daniel chapter 9, and I'm going to tell you five things. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here's the first thing you need to do if you want to get your prayer answered. Number one, start by letting God speak first. That's really hard. Because when I go to prayer, it's like, God, do this, do this, fix me here, take care of that. Can you solve that? Can you get that person over there who treated me wrong? I mean, I got a long list of things. But truly, if you think about God and God's word, uh, God always initiates first. We love him because he what? first loved us. We give because God so loved the world that he gave, right? It's always a response. Even talking to God is a response to all that he has said to us in his word. This Bible is 3,500 years old. It's written by dozens of authors across three different continents, different languages, across hundreds of different years, and yet it says the same thing. I mean, it, if you really start to read and study it, you'll see way over here in Lamentations, it's saying something that connects with Colossians in a different language and in a different continent. It is amazing. And it speaks to every person who's ever lived and ever, uh, ever sought it out. It speaks to you whatever your age is and whatever your, uh, uh, whatever your education is, whatever language you speak, it will speak to you if you'll dig into it. And see, your prayers should be a response to God's word. And that's what we're about to see that Daniel did. Now, Daniel's 85 years old. He's taken away into captivity when the Babylonians overtook Jerusalem. And he's been there for 70 years. And he has been fearless. And and he's been strong. He's been faithful. Uh, Daniel has stood up when other people were weak. And he has risen to authority in a foreign country. It's crazy. And he's actually maintained his leadership through three different administrations. So first it's the Babylonians, and then they're overthrown by the Persians. Well, they kill everybody in Babylonian leadership except Daniel, and they put him in leadership. Then the Persians are overthrown by the Assyrians, and the Assyrians kill all the Persian leaders except Daniel. There's something about Daniel, and you're going to find out it's prayer. Now, Daniel in, in Daniel 9 is in a crisis. He needs to hear from God. He needs wisdom. And so we're going to go right to Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. He says, It was in the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. And during the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Now, what I want you to really get 
is that this man who has talked to God and walked with God closely, look what he's doing, reading the word of the Lord. If you want to take your prayers to the next level, read the Bible often. Let me me tell you, the more you read the Bible, the more your prayers are going to be answered. There is a definite link between reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, and and, and he, having your prayers answered. And you ought to read the Bible every single day. I, I, mean, I mean, it'd be great if you sat down for an hour and read it, but maybe maybe it's just reading a few minutes. Maybe it's listening to it over the, the, the Bible app while you're brushing your teeth. There is really a hundred different ways for you to get into the Word. I, I, I use that Bible app, and I invite friends to do devotions with me. And so we're doing like three-day devotional, 14-day devotional, one-month devotional, and it just holds me accountable. There are so many ways for you to get connected with God's word. And it's important because I want you to notice what Jesus said about his word in John 15 and 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for what? Church, shout it out. Anything you want and it will be granted. Don't hold back. He said anything. Now, when I read the Bible, I look for patterns and I look for formulas. I love to see a formula. And so if, if I find one, you've, you've heard me preach before, if you've been here, like I'll try to show it to you. And I'll say, if you do this, God will do that. And there is a definite formula here. I want to I try to write on this screen if I can get this right. I want you to notice this. God says, first of all, I need you to remain in me. Say those three words. I, what I'm trying to do is get down here to having my prayer granted. And it starts by remaining in him. Am I staying close to God? Am I sticking to him? Am I worshiping? Am I reading the Bible? Am I connecting with godly people? See, what a lot of us do is we have a God moment. We get, we, we get euphoric, get excited about feeling God's presence and we're tight. And then something goes wrong or we get a little um, lackadaisical and then we just kind of check out. And we go back to that old lifestyle we promised we'd never, you know, we'd never do again. And we just don't remain in him. Maybe God challenged you to serve and you started serving and then you kind of just filtered out. Maybe you said, I'm never going to miss God's uh, word. I'm, I'm going to be in worship every week. I'm going to hear God's word. Maybe you said, I'm going to take my walk with God to the next level. I'm going to next steps. I'm going to serve. I'm going to become a tither. I'm going to give. I'm going to go on a mission trip. You made all these promises, but then you just kind of floated off. Let me tell you, the first step toward getting down here to having your prayers answered is remain Don't check out. Don't float away. Stay connected with God. Now, here's the second thing he says. You're going to remain in him, and his words are going to remain in you. Where is his word? Right here. Are you you getting in his word and letting his word get into you? See, if we're disobeying God's word, we're not going to get our prayers answered. I'm going to tell you this, this is, I'm, I'm going to be so good to you as a pastor today, you're not even going to know how good it is. It's going to be so good, it's going to fly right past you. I'm going to resist the urge to be a televangelist and only tell you what you want to hear and lie to you about if you say this word and you do this thing and it's going to, it's my time for my thing, for my God. I'm going to leave all those phrases out. And I'm going to tell you the truth today, okay? Jesus said, if you want to get down here to where your prayers are answered, you got to stay close to me, good times and bad times, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're disappointed. And you also got to let his word remain in you. You can't just go around disobeying God's word. You can't go around living a life of sin. You can't go around doing, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit is so wonderful and, and, and powerful. He will gently... When you're thinking the wrong thing, isn't it great that God's not going, hello, everyone, Bob over here has got lust in his heart. That's not what God does. 
really hope there's nobody over there named Bob because that would be awkward. Uh, you know, God doesn't do that. He just kind of just whispers in your heart. He's just like, hey, bro, that's not who you are, you know. It's not who you need to be. And, and that is so wonderful. And then when you violate that, when you just say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think what I shouldn't be thinking. You know what you're doing? You're not remaining. You're not letting his word remain in you. And your prayers aren't going to be answered. So, so, so there's your formula. Stay in the word. And here's what I've learned. The word of God uh, and the relationship we'll get with God will purify your prayers. It'll help your prayers become more powerful and, and more effective. Now, that's, that's why Daniel prayed three times a day for 70 years. Now, don't you think that had something to do with why he was such a powerful man? I mean, and, and such a wise man. He had such uh, high-ranking and powerful positions within three different administrations because he was talking to God. You ought to pray every day about everything in your life. You know, that's crazy, man. I got to go to work. I got to have a job. I'm in school. No, no, I don't mean like you got to have a three-hour prayer meeting. I'm just like, hey, God, I'm about to take this test. I want you to bless me. You know, maybe you pray the prayer I prayed in school. Show me things I've never seen before. <laughs> just a little prayer right there in that, in that moment, you know. Or, or hey, hey, God, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going in this little business deal, you know. I, I just pray for it. God, I'm, I'm going on a sales call. Just may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. That's a wonderful little prayer. You should pray that every day, you know. You, maybe you're going into a, a difficult meeting. You're worried about it or going to a difficult class or, or whatever. You're, you're in a sport or whatever, and you're freaking out a little bit, and you just say, God, uh, I, I just pray that I walk in faith and not in fear. A simple little prayer. It doesn't have to be this super long thing, but all day, every day about decisions, about meetings, about schoolwork, about relationships, about business deals, every bit of it. And the more you pray, the more confident you're going to be. The more you pray, the less fear you're going to have, the more boldness and the stronger you're going to be. Now, Daniel has this crisis in his life, and so he's praying through it. And he's reading the book of Jeremiah, all right? This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for seven years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things. Everybody say good things. That's what God wants to do. I'm going to show you how to get to the good things. Hang on. He's going to show you how right here. All the good things that I promised. You ever, you ever been like, wait, God, you promised these things. They're in your word. They're good. Why don't you? Here it is. Watch. You, see, the Old Testament reveals the character of God. Old Testament does some weird things. You're like, why are they killing goats? Like, I don't understand. You have to study it, but it reveals the character of God. Here you're going to see the character of God. God already promised some good things, and they've not happened for 70 years. Watch this. And I'm going to bring you home again. And for I know the plans that I, God, has for you, for your life. Don't you love that verse? Man, I love that. Says the Lord. And they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's plans. But he doesn't stop right there. He doesn't just stop and say, okay, you're religious. You love Jesus. You go to Daystar. You know, you, you joined a small group. Now the plan of God of, of blessing and hope is going to, the next verse says, and in those days, when you pray, I will listen. See, your prayer is a response to knowing God's word, but you have to pray. You know, God says, I've got the plan, but you've got the prayer. You're not going to just say, well, God's going to do his thing and however he wants to do it, he's going to do it. No, you have to pray and you have to ask. God determines the plan and the purpose, but you have to engage in prayer. Now, then there's this other thing called God's timing. And in some cases, you haven't seen the answer to your prayer because you're waiting on God. And and we're familiar with that. But a lot of times when we say we're waiting on God, God's waiting on us. You ever been in a scenario like that? 
See, I don't like waiting. I, I believe to, to my core, if I could do a study on it, that at least 25% of my life has been spent waiting. I do not like waiting. I'll be in my car waiting on one of my daughters to come with me, and we're supposed to go somewhere, and I'm sitting, and I'm waiting. And I'm like, I told them what time to be here. They better get in this car. They're going to walk. I swear to God, they're going to walk. I'm just in there waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, I was like, I'm already backed out of the driveway. I've turned side. I've gotten everything. I'm ready. I'm clocked. You know, I'm ready to go. I've turned it. You know, and they're still not there. I just go in, go in, go down and say, where are you? Oh, is it time to go? I was waiting on you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's time to go because of the time I told you that it was time to go. And it's now that time, you know. What if that's what's going on with you and God? You're like, I'm waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God, just waiting on the Lord. And the Lord's like, nope, I'm waiting on you. How can you know the difference? Well, if you're abiding in him, you're staying close to him, you're listening to his voice. His word is abiding in you. You're living out his word. You, first of all, you got to know what his word says. You're coming to church, you're reading scripture, you're going to small group, your lifestyle looks like God's word says. You know, the reason we designed this church this way is because it's exactly the way the New Testament said it ought to be. They're meeting together in the temple courts and from house to house through the week. That's exactly why we have gatherings on Sunday and all through the week. You're doing all the stuff that you know to do well. And then you know what? Sometimes it's just not God's timing yet. You have asked and you've prayed. You've abided in him. His word is abiding in you. Then you're just going to have to wait until God sees fit. And how many of you know sometimes what time you think it ought to be is not the time it ought to be? Can I hear an amen to that? I, I, there's so many ways. You know, we, we tried to adopt a son, tried to have a son, couldn't do that, tried to adopt a son for a long time. It finally came years after we were ready for it. And, and it seems like every day God reveals to me yet another reason why I was supposed to wait. And had God done it my way, it would have been awful. You know, Brian's a little athlete. He plays baseball and football, and I'm a little know-it-all. I know who needs to get the ball, what play they need to run. I, need, I know everything about that. And, but now I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser, and I'm a little bit more under control. If I'd had a little athletic boy when I was 25, they'd be throwing me out of every park in Coleman. That's just one of about a dozen things I could tell you that revealed to me that God knew what he was doing when he did what he did in his timing and not in my timing. So sometimes you're waiting on the Lord because it's not the right time. Sometimes God's waiting on you to purify your prayers, to get in alignment with his word, to ask. The Bible says you have not because you what? Ask not. But did you also know that you have not because you ask amiss? There's another verse there. You ask for the wrong things because out of your own selfishness of heart, you want it for your own purposes. And so that's why what I want to do is purify my motives, hear what God's word says to me, and let it reveal how I'm going to live my life. I'm showing you five things and half the sermon's over on point number one, all right? Get into God's word, get into God's church, be among God's people. It'll purify your prayers. It'll make your prayers more powerful. If you got it, I'll move on. Say, I got it. All right, listen fast because I got four more to give you. Number two, then you turn your attention to God. Really hard thing to do because we're so focused on what we need to do, what we want to do, the distractions around us, the problems in our lives. But that's exactly what Daniel did picking up in verse number three. So I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer. He said, I'm going to turn away from everything else, off my fears, off my wants, off of the distractions, off of everybody else's opinions because everybody's got an opinion about what you ought to do. Daniel says, I'm just going to focus on him. Now, everywhere you look in this book, the Bible says if you'll seek God, he'll show up in your life. If you'll stop seeking money, 
prestige, fame, uh, all these other things, titles. Watch this. I'm going to show you a few places in Scripture. God speaks through Amos and says, seek me and you'll live. You got to seek after him. God speaks in Proverbs 8, I love those who love me and those who seek me will what, church? They'll find me. You say, well, God, I thought God loves everybody. He does. He loves the whole world. But there's a special connection to those who love him and seek after him. He says, you're going to find me. He says it again in Jeremiah 29, 13. We didn't quite get to this verse. We stopped in verse 12. But he says, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. You say, well, I'm a religious person. I believe in God. Why aren't my prayers being answered? There's no verse that says, if you believe in God, your prayers are answered. There's no verse that says religious people will get what they need. There are all kinds of verses that say, you need to seek me with everything. Your whole heart. See, a lot of people have a little bit of religion, a little bit of faith in God, and a whole lot of other stuff. You know, business, relationships, money, uh, fun, activities, you know, recreation. That's nothing wrong with having those things. But where's your heart? If your heart is in those things, you better have complete fulfillment in those things. Because if you need fulfillment from God, which we all do, by the way, if you need a miracle from God, then he says, you're going to have to give me all your heart, not part of your heart, but all of your heart. And one more place, Hebrews says, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. I want to be rewarded by God, don't you? Don't you want your business, your bank account, your 401k, students, teenagers, don't you want your relationships? Don't you want to be rewarded when you take a test, like that God rewards you? He says, here's what you do. You earnestly seek me. You know, I said, well, what is, how does that connect to what I need in life? If I'm earnestly seeking him, how does that fix my business? Let me tell you, when you seek God first, he has promised to add all the other things in your life. Here's the beautiful thing about seeking God. It, it, it will change some of the details of your life for sure. And that's what we want it to do. Fix this thing. Give me this uh, financial miracle, you know, f- solve this problem. But the biggest thing it does is it changes you because Here's another one. I'll never make a televangelist if I keep telling you all the truth like this. You're the source of your problems. Really, most of the stuff you're praying about, you're asking God to undo what you did. I'm hiding behind this pulpit. It's not quite big enough. I mean, really, that's the, I, I know it from human experience because I've been human a long time. And really, when, when I seek him, he fixes me. And yes, sometimes he does miracles and heals broken things and like, like physical things and, and, and relational. Yeah, absolutely. But most of what's wrong with me, I did it. And so when I seek him, he fixes me. Man, the biggest thing to be fixed in this room is you <laughs> and me, right? It's us, all right? So we're going to turn our attention toward God. Seek him every day. Seek him before you make a decision. Seek him before you have a conversation. And you might say, well, if God's in control, what does it matter? God does what God wants to do. God's going to have his way. It doesn't really matter what I do. Again, that's why you need to read the scripture, particularly the Old Testament will reveal the character of God to you. So there's a place where Israel is disobeying God's commandments. They're uh, uh, not following his decrees. And God has shown up to bless them. But because they're disobedient, God just says, you know what? I'm going to let you do what you want to do in the mess you're in until you get serious about me. Let me read that to you. It's in Hosea. Here's what God says. Because you've been a mess, because you've been disobedient, because you won't do what my word says, I'm just going to return to my place on high. And I'll wait until they, you and me, us, people, until they acknowledge their offenses and they feel their guilt. And when they finally know how bad they've messed up, then they'll seek my face. 
Not his hands, not his miracles, not fix it for me, God. Lord, I just want you in my life. Seek my face. Then in their troubles and distresses, they'll earnestly seek me. God's word is so good. I've already read you about four different places from four different authors who say the same thing, earnestly seek God. And God wants you to do that proactively. God, I just love you so much. I've come to know who you are, and I just want to seek you because you're so amazing. But then if you don't do that, God will provide you with some troubles and distress. Raise your hand if you ever had any of that. The rest of y'all have just earnestly sought him your whole life. Thank you. Thank you for just being here among the rest of us hypocrites. If you don't just seek him like the other verses says, God says, that's okay. I'll wait until you're in trouble and distress. Then you'll earnestly seek me. And you'll say, let us return to the Lord so he may heal us. See, that's where God wants us to be. At a place where we are earnestly seeking him. And sometimes... We're in the middle of painful situations because we decided to go it alone. We just didn't seek him first. And so we're in a mess. So second thing is you got to turn your attention to God. Number three, then when you got, when he's got your attention, pour out your heart completely and entirely. I think God hears so many weak and um, ineffectual prayers. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person, avails much or produces much. God likes that kind of prayer. Fervent, that means fiery prayer. How many prayers did we pray that are just kind of, you know, Lord bless this food, the nourishment of our body, our body to your service. In your name we pray, amen. That's probably a pretty good prayer, the first guy that thought it up. 800 million times later, it doesn't mean a whole lot, right? Are you praying prayers that are just kind of going through the motion prayers? You know, God... It's nighttime. Thank you, Lord, for this boy. Help me not to kill him tomorrow. Thank you that I didn't kill him today. Amen. I mean, is that the way you're praying? I mean, you you know, that was kind of effectual the first time I prayed it, but not anymore, you know. You need to be praying different kinds of prayers where you're pouring your whole heart into it. Let me tell you something. God is emotional. Did you know that? God is emotional. The Bible says God gets angry. God has joy. The Bible says God gets jealous. Did you know that? Do you know God gets frustrated sometimes? And in fact, if you want to see the emotion of God, look at the cross. God could have just painted in the clouds words that said, I will forgive all sins. And and everyone would have noticed it. But he made a grand display of forgiveness by dying on the cross. That was all part of God's plan. That's the emotion of God's love. If God poured out his emotion to love you that way, how are you showing him your emotion back? See, Daniel did it like this. So I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer. Everybody say pleaded. And the message translation says, I poured out my heart and I bared my soul. See, some of you just need to take your prayers to the next level. You're wondering, why is my prayer not being answered? Because it's a cursory little, I'm driving down the road. Oh yeah, God, help this thing and help this situation. Those are good prayers. Do it all day, every day. The Bible says pray without ceasing. But there ought to be moments where you just put a peg in the ground and say, I'm not leaving this room until I have felt the presence of God. Jacob said, God, I won't let you go until you bless me. He wrestled with God all night long. Sometimes you're just going to have to shut. The Bible says, if you want to have a miracle from God, go into your prayer closet and what church? Shut the door. How do you shut the door? Tell people, don't call me. Don't knock on the door, turn off notifications, turn on worship music, and just say, I'm going to stay right in here until I feel you. And you know what? If you got to go to work, go to work, come back, shut the door again, and stay right there until you feel 
God. If you've been letting your relationship with God and your faith be transactional, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to give some money, I'm going to volunteer, I'm going to say the words the pastor says to say in my prayer, that's not enough. There's got to be something emotional, something deep inside of you. Daniel said, I'm going to pour out my whole heart. Daniel said, I'm 85 years old, God. I've been praying for 70 years. I've, I've not disobeyed your word while all these other people were monkeying around and they threw me in the lion's den. I was faithful. Now, God, I need you to do something for my life. And if that doesn't work for you, do number four what Daniel did next. Get serious. And let me tell you how serious Daniel got. Daniel said, God, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've pleaded and I've confessed and I've done everything I know to do. Here's what I'm going to do now, God. I'm going to stop eating until you send my answer. I'm just going to fast. If you don't know how serious that is, it's because you hadn't tried it. You, you, You might not think you like to eat, but just stop and see what happens. But fasting is a deep tradition, a spiritual rich tradition of, of people of faith. Um, before the Ten Commandments were given to Moses, he fasted. Before the Israelites went to battle most of the time, there was a fast. Before Nehemiah built the Great Wall, rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, he stopped to fast. Before Jesus preached his first sermon, he fasted. You read the New Testament, you'll see a lot of the New Testament believers in times of decision, they fasted. Might be that God's calling you to fast. You know, you might think you're waiting on God, God's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to go to church. You got here, waiting on you to put something before him. And now he might be waiting on you to fast something. Food, that's a good fast. More and more, I think God wants us to fast things like social media, the news, or maybe social media, or the news. (laughs) Stuff like that that just, Netflix, you know. Stuff that just bombards your life, has got too much of a place in your life. I'm not saying those things are evil in and of themselves. I'm just saying when they take the place of your walk with God, you put them aside. Sometimes they didn't take the place at all. You're just saying, God, I want you more than I want that. So he fasted. Number five, he humbly confessed. A lot of our prayers are not humble confession. They are prideful complaining telling God how good and awesome you are and how much everybody else is terrible and fix it, God. But there's a beautiful connection that I want you to see here. And I want want to write this down so you'll see the connection. These two words here. God resists the proud, but he gives what? To the... Never forget this connection. Grace and humility are forever tied together. Oh, that's so important. Every ch- Now, what is grace? I don't have time. I talk five weeks on grace. Let me just tell you, grace is the supernatural, powerful, explosive move of God in your life when you need it. It's a big deal. Every good thing that's ever happened in your life, it was the grace of God. The next good thing that will happen in your life, it will be the grace of God. Let me just stop by saying you need it. And it is forever tied to humility. Every chance you get to be humble, be humble. My goodness, be humble. Somebody blames something on you that you don't feel like was your fault. Be humble anyways. You know, you're praying to God and you don't think you did anything wrong. Just confess anyways. Every chance you get to be humble, be humble because grace is tied to humility. I don't care if everybody in here thinks I was wrong and I confess to being wrong. If God pours out grace on my life, that was a good trade. 
There's nothing like it. And, and that's exactly what Daniel did. I, I'm paraphrasing about 10 verses here. He says, we've sinned. He's, he's talking to God. We've done wrong. We've rebelled. We ignored your commands. We rejected the law. We refused to listen to the prophets. By the way, Daniel had done none of that. He was just confessed. He just put himself in with all those other jokers. Because it's always a good idea to be humble. If you can't decide what to do, just be humble. We've been disgraceful and shameful and unfaithful. After you warned us, we kept on sinning. He just keeps confessing and confessing and confessing. And then get down to verse 20 and he said, while I kept on praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people. I've been praying three times a day for 70 years. God didn't answer for 70 years. So you know what I did? I just kept on praying. Woo! This is good news for somebody here. Because if you just keep on praying and confessing and pleading with the Lord, I've been preaching for 30 minutes to get to this next one word. I'm so excited to be here. Y'all better get excited with me. I have preached this whole five-point sermon outline to get to one word that I believe is prophetic and powerful and it's a right now word. I want somebody walking out of this room today feeling that this, what, what did church mean to you today? It meant this one word. I'm going to start over and I'm going to help y'all get me there. So 70 years, no answer came. So he says, I'm just going to keep praying and I'm going to keep confessing. I've confessed everything I've ever done wrong and everything I can think about. So I'm just going to keep confessing all the sins of my friends and myself and pleading with the Lord and somebody say it. Suddenly, there it is. An angel shows up in my life. And I'm here to tell you, maybe that's where you've been. Maybe that's why we got to this part of the scripture on this day. Because you have prayed and prayed and asked. Maybe you've fasted. Maybe you've read. You've talked to other people. You've done everything you know to do. And you think, well, I just do this wrong. God just doesn't love me. I've just got something wrong with me. No, God wanted to tell you, if you'll just keep on doing what you're doing, a suddenly moment is coming for you too. It's going to happen for you. If he did it for Daniel, he'd do it for you. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, right now, today, he's the same. He did something for Daniel. He'll do something for you. Keep on, keep on, keep on. I prayed this week. When I got to that verse in my study, I just felt chills go down my spine. It's like somebody's going to have a suddenly moment today. That's for somebody here. Who's it for? You decide. You get to decide. Somebody in your heart, you need to be thinking, that's for me. Somebody with your mouth, say it, that's for me.